0: everybody this is chris brandt last week sunish patel and i headed out to new york city to attend the hpc plus ai wall street high performance computing conference and i am here to break it down for you so stay tuned Before we get started, I just wanted to ask you to take a moment and subscribe if you haven't already. We have broken 100,000 views now, so the channel is growing fast and your support helps tremendously. So like I mentioned, Sundish and I went to the HPC Plus AI Wall Street Conference, where friend of the show Ryan Quick was a featured speaker. There were a bunch of sessions focusing on everything from quantum computing and neuromorphic computing to artificial intelligence and big data. The show was run by Tabor Communications, that is the publisher of HPC Wire, DataNami, and Enterprise AI, to name a few. Now, this is a show with a limited audience, so it's interesting to see how small a community it is right now. And most of the people know each other in this space, and there's a lot of back and forth with people. Much of the discussion focuses on fairly cutting-edge and exotic text, so I thought it was a ton of fun. And there was even a great session on the ethics surrounding AI. A lot of the vendors in the space sponsored the event and were there to talk about what they have for HPC. And I was able to chat with a few of them and I wanted to share some of those interviews with you. But let me have them tell it to you in their own words. So tell me a little bit about what run AI is and what you guys do. Um, so hi everyone. We help
1: companies to get the most out of their GPUs and compute resources. And we provide a job scheduler for Kubernetes in a cloud native architecture. We also have identified that many of the workloads not actually consuming their entire compute, so we have developed a way to partition GPUs on the fly, so you can run more jobs on the same infrastructure. Better return on investment, but also better performance, making sure that your productions are getting into market, but also in an economic sense.
0: So, what, what, how would you guys say you differentiate in the market? Like, What, what makes your scheduler yeah. particularly unique? I think we are the only job scheduler that runs within the
1: Kubernetes Kubernetes architecture, but also we provide a way to uh, optimize the compute. So it's not only a job scheduler, but a holistic compute platform that can support the entire AI lifecycle from the development, training, but also for the deployment and the inferencing of the product, but also the ability to provision subsets of GPUs and and computer resources. We can help organizations manage multiple clusters, both on-prem and in the cloud, and actually, many organizations use us as the bridge to manage all between their own prem and cloud and have a hybrid architecture with our platform. And so, so how long have you guys been around? Founded in 2018, um, post-C C round. We have offices in Israel and here in New York. Hundreds of so employees, uh, serving mostly enterprises. But interestingly enough, you would imagine that... Yeah, enterprises would be the most advanced on their AI journey, but that it's not exactly good. right. We are working also with some very cool startups that are way out there in the field and doing some really cool stuff with AI. So it's not a matter of the maturity of the company, but the maturity of their AI initiative and their AI journey.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and so who, who are your investors?
1: So the major ones are Insight Partners and Tiger Global a good, good batch there. Yeah, batch exactly. <laughs>
0: there.
1: Well, I, I'm hearing good things about you guys, so it's exciting. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks.
0: Next up, we got a chance to catch up with Memverge. You may remember them from episode number 44, where we talked with Memverge founder and CEO Charles Pham. So here's Memverge.
2: So uh, Memverge has been around for the last five years. Um, for the last two years, we've had our uh, flagship product uh, memory machine available. And so Memory Machine basically helps to tier memory, and that's going to be really key for people that are going to get into the CXL technology in the future. And um, we're excited about that. Uh, We also have a cloud offering that we call Spot On, and so that we can save customers quite a bit of money uh, by utilizing Spot On, uh, whether it be in AWS or Azure or in Google. Um, We have a solution for all three of those.
0: What do you see happening with the CXL market these
2: days? So the CXL market is all really starting to come together. Um, All of the uh, announcements, if you will, have come from the consortium. Uh, So the specifications for 1.1 and 2.0 and 3.0 are now available. And I think what you're seeing are a lot of the uh, suppliers, if you will, are building to those specifications. And we're doing likewise. So we're basically taking what we know for memory machine and uh, also with our product memory viewer. And we're going to be morphing those into more of a pool manager to support uh, the C- CXL ecosystem so that you'll be able to share memory and have memory pools uh, across disparate systems within that ecosystem.
0: So I hear you guys are moving on you know, beyond like the Optane sort of architecture. What's I'm sorry? The, the Optane
2: uh, Yeah, uh, architecture? so um, you know, Optane was great for us uh, basically to get our start and to cut our teeth and to learn how to you know, basically cure memory. And we did, you know, quite a a few uh, deployments with Optane. Um, It's now been announced as uh, end of life, Um, but there's still, you know, capabilities for people to deploy it. Um, There's still plenty of supply out in the marketplace. So for those customers that want to continue in that direction and use our product for that, we certainly can support them. Um, But we're also at the same time working towards, like I said, you know, the CXL infrastructure that's, you know, Forthcoming uh, because we think that that's going to be pretty large across you know uh, the whole marketplace. The the Intel space was you know one portion of it, but now this is going to be more open to all of the you know chip vendors to play in as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, it's been an interesting uh, journey to watch you guys grow. From, I, I think we first ran into Charles like two or th- well, maybe three years ago, right, at a, a Lightspeed Venture uh, conference, and and, right. uh, and he was just this. You know, wild mad scientists.
2: Yeah. And, you know, so it's been, it's been a, a fast, gross pace for us, um, but it's been, it's been a fun ride. And uh, like I said, you know, we're ramping up and gearing up for what's coming with CXL. And uh, the market seems pretty excited about it. And we're getting a lot of good response from that.
0: Sounds great, man. Thanks okay. so much.
2: Thank you. And last, Here is friend of
0: the show, Ryan Quick, who not only hosted a couple of sessions, but was there to help promote Data Vortex, a new networking stack designed around extremely high performance. All right. So, Ryan, good to to see you back. Thanks. Nice to be here. (laughs) So you're you your <laughs> helping explain data vortex could you tell me a little bit about what it is and what it does
3: yeah so uh, data vortex they're uh, from Austin it, 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 um, it and, and they is. are a they have a proprietary IP for developing a, a wholly new type of, of network altogether um, so uh, Coke Reed, their uh, their founder uh, he's he was a Princeton mathematician uh, who solved a uh, problem that had been around since the 1930s a really popular problem he solved it in the 1970s um, and then so developed IP based on this particle flow uh, dynamics, which is what the, the original IP is about, uh, to create a whole new type of uh, packet flow. Um, and so what they have done now, fast forward uh, until now, they've, they have um, a new type of network altogether. Uh, they call it the data vortex. Um, when you visualize it, it's kind of like a, it looks kind of like a vortex. It's not actually a circle, but it, it looks that way. Um, and it's got some unique features over uh, other networks. It, first of all, it's not a crossbar network at all. It doesn't have latency hops. Um, and all, all packets and everything are delivered um, synchronously, and uh, they're guaranteed. So you have, um, you know, guaranteed message send, guaranteed delivery. If a packet enters a network, it's going to come out. Um, it's op- optimized for fine grain networking uh, so generally smaller packets. you can move large data across it but um, but they, it gets broken into small packets and packets cannot collide and they cannot be partitioned right so um, so it's really good for things like uh, FFT uh, for graph traversal and stuff like that um, and they do have uh, they've actually built systems and they're they're deployed at national labs and other parts of the government and we can't really talk about <laughs> and, um, and uh, what they're doing now is taking that technology to its next generation where they, where they are um, they have their an IP block implementation um, in RTL and they're, uh, they're now moving that into um, FPGA uh, with dev devkits. Um, they're working with AMD's ilinks uh, right now to do that um, and they, they currently have uh, tiger graph running on top of um, the network and they're showing between a, a 200 and 1200 X performance increase simply by using the network. They haven't modified TigerGraph at all. Um, And the work that I've done with them recently um, is to take uh, digital or sorry, digital, uh, distributed consensus algorithms, uh, most particularly uh, Raft, uh, which is the the consensus algorithm that underlies um, etcd, which is popular with Kubernetes. Um, it underlies a lot of uh, blockchain implementations um, and in other places. Um, so we've taken that um, that code and we have uh, replaced the transport layer uh, with Data Vortex um, and demonstrated that by using the capabilities of the network, you can actually eliminate four of the seven problems that distributed consensus has to solve. So, um, you know, distributed consensus consensus says... I don't trust the network that I'm working with. I don't trust the person that's sending the message. I don't trust that the message will get there. I don't trust that the the message once received is actually going to be processed. And I can't trust that a reply is going to come back to me. Now, how do I handle getting agreement? Well, those first four things can all be solved in the network itself uh, with Data Vortex. You can trust the, the network will... Any packet that comes on it will get delivered. Um, you can control whether or not um, someone sent it or someone delivered it. You know always who got the messages. Um, and in the last case, you can actually deliver the messages to all pers- uh, participants at exactly the same moment um, by clock cycle. So on this clock cycle, all, everyone received the message. Um, that means there's no um, possibility for getting timing out of whack, no out-of-order messages, no drop messages. And also, because the network only uses known participants, um, it has to be configured every time you start it. There's no way to partition a network, which is a, a big problem for consensus networks where you get split brain when you take a node out of whack. Um, so none of those things can happen. Um, and so what we said was, well, if we can take these four, four of seven problems off the table, what can you do with consensus? Um, and it, it opens up a lot of, a lot of things. Now we haven't gone into, what those things are. We haven't worked on that part of the problem. We've simply demonstrated so, that you can do it. Um, so now it's time to dream.
0: <laughs> so is, so just this net network technology, is it's more for like a cluster? Or is it like what, what sort of distance is this?
3: Um, so it can be implemented over any distance. So right now what we're primarily focusing on is... Um, interlinking uh, chip-to-chip, accelerator-to-accelerator, memory-to-memory. So um, they, have a, they have a global um, addressable memory space. Um, in the test for TigerGraph, for example, there's 16 gig of memory per unit. Uh, all 256 gig are addressable by any, um, any uh, accelerator. Um, and so it's something like uh, what you would see as an NVLink. Um, with NVIDIA, um, but it can connect any component. So in that respect, it seems a lot like what CXL is advertising for right. um, for Intel. Um, but it is it's wholly different. It doesn't run TCP. It's its own it's its own thing.
0: So um, so how do you do guaranteed delivery with no latency?
3: <laughs> so I'm not the math guy. Um so it's difficult for me to explain uh what happens but the, but basically if you think of the the network as one long line um instead of having you know increments where you're joining a switch or crossing a boundary and things like that all the distance of uh, between two entities on the network is exactly the same all the time. So any packet that enters the network must traverse the network to get to its destination and no other packets can follow that particular path until it's delivered. Um so uh, they have a command, um, a command uh, segment that's running alongside the data segment, and so basically, there's an announcement that says packet entering, packet leaves, acknowledged, resets what they call a barrier, um, and then the next packets packets flow. And then, of course, they can actually do that in parallel, so it's not one at a time, but but you get the idea.
0: Interesting. This sounds like the kind of technology that's probably going to involve. Require a deeper, deeper dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's,
3: uh, especially if you get into the math, it's really, it's really uh, interesting um, and difficult. So, like me, I'm not the math guy, but uh, I have seen it. I have tested it. Um, we we did a previous test a few years ago uh, where we took RabbitMQ and we put RabbitMQ over top. Um, and our very first test, we shattered the world record of of uh, messages per second. And we didn't actually, you know, we integrated it. As two separate standalone programs, so it was like rabbit handed off to a program through a socket, and then we moved it and took it back again. Um, and the previous world record at that time was uh, Google had done a test with thirty-two nodes and they had crossed a uh, two hundred fifty thousand messages per second boundary. Uh, we ran on two nodes and we crossed two million messages per second. Wow! Yeah, that's
0: that's. Yeah, I mean, I I I think that's exciting stuff because the network stack
3: needs to be revisited. Oh desperately. yeah, yeah. It's um, <laughs> it, it, uh, we. I don't think we think of it as a, an Ethernet or InfiniBand killer. It's not really designed for that. It is designed for that fine-grain messaging. But what people don't realize is that, you know, you can have all the bandwidth that you want, but um, most networks, uh, Ethernet, Wi-Fi, uh, InfiniBand, to be sure, are, um, they're optimized for large data movement, you know, like move a lot of data, big packets, fill them up, send them, um, this is not. So what happens on an Ethernet network is if you're trying to send lots of small data, it still takes all the space of that large packet. And then you run over the packets per second that a particular switch can handle. So you might only be using, you know, 20 gigabits of a 100 gigabit length, and that's all you can get out of the switch. In this particular case, it's dead linear. Um, and so they've, they've measured over 20 billion packets per second um, on the current implementation. So it's just, it's crazy different. <laughs> um, but we, you know, it's not to say that it's the only network out there. Uh, what we think is, you know, you don't want to stay the same all the time, right? And, and um, you know, for me especially, I believe in generally specialized systems. And so in places where you need um, that kind of communication to interlink uh, different components in, a, in a, either a cluster or inside a, a specialized system, it makes great sense.
0: Yeah. Very cool stuff. Thanks. Thanks. Overall, this was a small but great show that will only be growing over the years. And if you are looking into high-performance computing, I suggest you check the next one out. As always, thanks for watching. I would love to hear from you in the comments. Please click the subscribe button, and I will see you in the next one.